Good morning. Y'all doing all right? Good? It's beautiful outside, right? So those of you online, I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but here in Central Florida, we got it going on. It's awesome. Uh, come join us sometime. We would love to have you. But I'm so glad you guys are here this morning with me, with us together in this place. Uh, out of the 168 hours in a week, did you guys know that? There's 168 hours in a week. I am so thankful for this hour that we get to spend together um, and come together and worship our Lord and, and be encouraged by him and by each other. So thanks for being here with me. Last night, I feel like I was here just a couple of hours ago. <laughs> Actually, I was here just a couple of hours ago. If you guys missed, if the ladies, if you missed Ladies Night, uh, be sure to join us next time. We missed you. We had a great time. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit more about that later. But for now, for the last three weeks, for the month of April, we have been considering the voice of a shepherd, right? So uh, Clark and Matt and Rick have done an amazing job of teaching us about our good shepherd, Right, We learn that our shepherd is a different kind of shepherd, one that we can trust, one that we can follow. We learn that our shepherd is not only the good shepherd, he's also the lamb. Behold the lamb, right? Behold the lamb that took away the sin of the world. And I don't know about you guys, but I had to give pause to that thought when Clark was talking about that yet again. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That takeaway there is like a lifting up of an anchor that is on the bottom of the ocean floor. And, that, and it takes up and away, all right? And I don't know about you, but my brain just went a-sailing on the Mediterranean out somewhere, right? The freedom that comes with that lifting up and taking away is awesome. And as our good shepherd, we learn that Jesus connects with us, he protects us, and he perfects us, right? We don't have to worry about the paths of righteousness that we're being led down because he's leading us, right? He's carving the way. We don't have to worry about trying to climb over the fences to get in the pen, to get in the kingdom, right? God, Jesus, is the way. In him, we are one flock. We have one good shepherd. And as for the Easter story itself, we've been through Palm Sunday, the events that led up to the uh, crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, and that's kind of where we're left today. And from the moment we began talking about this series, The Voice of a Shepherd, I knew I wanted to share on the Sunday after Easter. We hadn't planned it all out yet, but I knew this was the Sunday I wanted because I am such a now what kind of girl, right? I've sat out where you guys are sitting for years and years and years, and my thought is I love what we get to take in, and the whole time we're taking it in, my brain is going, okay, how does that affect me out there? What does it change when I leave here? I love the theology. I love it. But my brain doesn't stop there. It keeps going. It connects me to what happens out there. And so I wanted to talk about, I wanted to think about and talk about the now what of the Easter story. What Jesus did on the cross, the fact that he lived and died and lived again to forgive, redeem, and make us his own is amazing. But now what? 
and so we're going to talk about that today. Originally, I was going to talk about uh, the 23rd Psalm. A few months ago, we did that with the little kids over in Grace Kids. They memorized it. They all got the grand prize of a pumpkin for saying the whole entire psalm. It was pretty awesome. Um, and we got to talk about really cool things uh, like the green pastures. Did you guys know that the green pastures that David is writing about in those psalms aren't green at all? They're not like the little precious moments pictures, you know, in uh, Matt's Bible that he talked about having when he was a little kid with the little soft fluffy sheep and the, you know, alfalfa up to his knees. What that land looks like is barren. It's, it's desert-like. It's rocky. It's hilly. It's brown. All right? But what happens is the air at night, when it cools down, the sun goes down, the air cools, little bits of condensation form on the rocks, and it makes these little puffs of green grass that you don't see when you're looking from afar. And the shepherd knows where these green little bites are. And really, the shepherd leads them to the green bits of grass that are just enough to get the sheep through that day. And I love that picture. That keeps us dependent on our good shepherd. That's just one of the things we learned, but that's not what we're talking about today. So I'm going to move on. Um, our good shepherd knows what we need, and he leads us to those still waters and those green pastures and to the table where we sit down with our enemy. And as much fun as we might have had with that, we're not going to stay there because, like I said, I am a woman, and I got sidetracked, and I changed my mind. So when I really started thinking about the message today and what I wanted to share, I was actually over again in Grace Kids and we were going through a little series called Spirit Stories. What I had realized with the kids is that they could tell some really good God stories. You know, they could talk about Noah and Moses and how God helped in all of those situations. They know a lot of Jesus stories about how he walked on water and fed the 5,000 and all those things. And then I asked them the question, hey guys, do you have any stories that you can tell me about the Spirit? Yep, just like that. Crickets, right? They couldn't do it. And I realized, okay. That's on me. We need to talk about the spirit here in Grace Kids. And so if you were me and you were going to teach a whole bunch of little kids about the spirit, where would you go? Maybe Acts chapter 1, chapter 2. So that's what we started looking at over there. And guess what? That falls perfectly in line with where we are today after Easter, after the resurrection, leading up to the ascension, and then being left, right, with the better promise, the better gift Nobody wants me to be turned up too loud, I promise. All right, so I embarked on this mission to teach them. And uh, we did go into Acts chapter 2 for sure. Uh, but before we go into Acts uh, chapter 2 and read that, I do want to back us up just a smidge to uh, the end of the first book that Luke wrote. All right, so Luke wrote both Acts and uh, Luke. <laughs> and in Luke 24, 45 through 49, it says this, Jesus supernaturally unlocked there, the disciples, understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. I love this, by the way, because this gives me hope to know that those things that I don't yet understand about God, he will supernaturally unlock my mind in the right time and at the right place and in the right way. 
Jesus supernaturally unlocked their understanding to, re to receive the revelation of the Spirit. And he said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what the scriptures prophesied of me. The Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into all the nations and pe preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. Start right here. For you are my witnesses. You have seen yourselves all that has transpired. And I love this. I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. So stay in the city until you are clothed with the mighty power of heaven. God is, Jesus is telling his disciples, stay here. You're, you're here. You're together. Stay here for a minute. Something really awesome is about to happen. And then, of course, Acts is the sequel, right? We start off Acts chapter 1. Um, it's, he sort of retells that, uh, that last little story there. And he also tells one more little story about how the disciples were going to choose uh, to replace the um, position that Judas had opened up, right? <laughs> That's not a very good way to say that, a poor Judas. But um, so Judas was no longer there. There were no longer 12 disciples, and they needed to put one more guy in there. And so what they did, they did the time-honored tradition of casting lots or rolling the dice. They had two guys, whatever, you know, that, that's how they were going to choose it, is whoever won casting of the lots got the position. Cool part about that is that's the last time that kind um, of decision is made. Because after that, we didn't need to roll the dice, right? We don't need to roll the dice because we have the helper and the comforter and the spirit within us who will make us wise. So then in Acts chapter 2, we start off, verses two, uh, 1 through 6 and 12 and 13. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered into one place, and suddenly they heard the sound, they heard the sound of a violent blast of rushing wind into the house, and the, uh, a violent blast of wind came rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realms, and the roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was almost all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes that separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. By the way, I, I did tell this story to the kids, but I made sure they understood that the, the guys weren't actually on fire, okay? <laughs> that would have been bad. They wouldn't have wanted anything to do with the spirit, but um, we talked about how the Moses and the burning bush, and yet the, right, the bush didn't get engulfed. Okay, uh, anyway, so uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and were promised and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. The image here, imagery here is just powerful, isn't it? Rushing wind and tongues of fire. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard, when they heard the roaring sound, crowds came running. From where, uh, to see where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. They all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this? What is this phenomenon? But others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on new wine. And by the way, I didn't tell the kids about the drunk part either. I just said they were acting a little crazy. 
right? We don't need to get into all of that on a Sunday morning. But it was the sound of the rushing wind, the speaking in foreign languages, the voice of the shepherd that collided in my brain. And it derailed me from the Psalm 23 part. And I found myself wanting to know more about sound. The guys did a great job talking about the shepherd, but it was his voice. It was the sound of his voice. What was he saying? What is he saying that captured me and sent me on a rabbit trail? Sound is one of those things that those of us who hear well, we rarely think about, right? We hardly ever think about it unless it is bad, right? We rarely think about it. At home, I sat typing out my thoughts, and I stopped for a few seconds, and I listened to the sounds around me. I could hear my cat playing with this little mouse. I could hear the wind blowing outside. I could hear my son doing his homework, clicking his pen. It was driving me crazy. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to sit still for just a minute and listen to hear what sounds we can hear in this room in this moment. Just listen. Everybody, deep and wide. Deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Yes, give it up, ladies. Thank you. That is just a little taste of the fun that you missed last night, ladies, if you weren't there. For those of you online, we had a little kazoo chorus going on here. But sound, right? Even silly sounds make us smile. They evoke emotions in us. And sound is a wonderful thing. I'm telling you, the ladies' nights, even though there weren't a ton of us there, we were crazy. All right. Anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, so what I learned about sound collided in my brain. And, in, and um, it collided in my brain and with what I knew about God. And it's been nothing but tears and goosebumps all week long. Tears and goosebumps because I've been talking about this all week. So we're going to look at six facts about sound, and you may think, oh man, we're not in school. But these are really cool, and I promise you I will tie them into um, what I know about God, and I hope it gives you maybe not tears and goosebumps, but at least something to think about when you go home. The first thing I learned about sound is that it originates from a source. Makes sense, right? Sound starts from somewhere. And for the sake of our conversation today, uh, we're going to say that that source is Oh, I don't know, God. All right? So God is the originator of this sound that we're going to talk about this morning. Secondly, sound is energy that is created when the originator moves. So sound is energy that originates when God moves. He is moving. And through his spirit, we're hearing the sound of his voice. So sound has a source, and it's energy created when that source moves. Third, unlike light, 
that can travel in a vacuum. Did you know that? That light doesn't need anything to move. It can move through space. And I know we could talk about light because the tongues of fire and all that, but we're going to save that for another day. But light has some really cool stuff about it too. But light can travel in a vacuum. It doesn't need anything to, to grab onto as it travels. But sound needs matter. It needs to have something to travel through. Back in the 1600s, there was a guy named Robert Boyle who did this uh, experiment where he took a jar, and in that jar, he put an alarm clock that was going off, that was ringing, all right? He put it in there, he sealed it, and then he sucked out all of the air. He had this little tube, this little vacuum, he sucked out all the air. As the air was being sucked out, you could... you weren't able to hear the alarm clock going off anymore. The sound got smaller and smaller and smaller until it disappeared. And it was still, you could see that it was still going off, but there was no sound. Then he slowly put the air, pumped the air back into the sealed jar. And as he did that, you could start hearing the sound of the alarm clock going off. And what that tells us is that sound needed the air particles to send its waves through in order to actually be heard. Now, what I think that is cool about that is that we become the matter that God's sound travels through, that he would use us, that he would use the rocks, that he would use the sound of the rushing wind to speak to and through us. I think that's pretty awesome. The fact that sound through which, or the, at the, as the matter through which sound of the Spirit moves, we matter. As the matter, we matter. Let's keep going. We're about halfway done. All right, so sound has, number four, sound has two different aspects to it. I love this part. Sound has two aspects. One, first, there's a physical, right? The fact um, that sound originates from its source. There's the original sound that is created. Then there's the psychological process for us. So the sound that is coming, it enters our ears, tickles those little hairs, and says something to our brains, right? And it's processed through our psychology, through our life experiences, through what we've learned, through where we've been to church, through, through where we went to school, where we grew up. That sound is processed through all of that. And we can see that that actually really does matter. The, psych the psychology part of it matters. Think about the people that were there um, in Acts when they heard the sound of the rushing wind, right? The first group of people thought it was awesome, and they wanted to know more about it. The second group of people were like, yeah, they're just a bunch of drunks. They're crazy. Like, they were hearing the same sound, but because of who they were and their life experiences, they were hearing two completely different messages. It makes us think about what we're hearing and um, gives us reason to pause, right? It gives us reason to pause and think about what is the sound I'm hearing versus what is being perceived in my brain. In my 20s, a good friend of mine um, was a super good-looking guy, super nice, lots of girls liked him. Several of them told him that they were talking to God and they heard God say that they were supposed to marry him. And while he was super polite about it, always, he would say something along the lines of, you know what, 
I'll talk to God about that. And when he tells me the same thing, I'll, be, I'll let you know. Right? So we've got the sound of God's voice working differently in different people. Remembering that our psychology matters. Matters. All right, let's keep going. These last two, we're on number five and we're on number six. We're almost there. We're almost there. Sound travels in waves, okay? It travels in waves. Not like the ocean, like an up and down wave, right, that comes crashing on shore. But sound travels as compression waves, all right? So picture the wave going through the air. The originator is making, is moving. He's making the sound. It's traveling through waves, and the way it travels is a compression wave. It gathers all the air molecules in, and then it spreads them out. It gathers them in, it spreads them out. Gathers them in, and spreads them out. And that's how sound travels. And we see the sound of God's Spirit traveling in this exact same way in Acts chapter 2. Jesus told the disciples to gather together, to bunch together in the upper room. And then the voice came and the sound of the wind. And they started speaking out in tongues, in languages that they had never learned before. Then the people that heard the sound out in the cities and out in the villages, when they heard the sound, they came rushing in to where they heard that sound come from. And then Peter spoke out, and 3,000 people were saved, or more, because it probably was 3,000 men, so it was probably even more than that. And then what did they do? They went, they went and they started gathering in to their homes, and they were breaking bread together, and they were praying together, and many awesome and mighty and wonderful things were happening. And then what happened? They went out into their neighborhoods and into the world. There's this constant in and out. God calls us in to himself so that we can go out into the world. He calls us in to families so we can go out into our neighborhoods. He calls us in to churches so we can go out into our cities and our states and our countries. The sound of God's voice is moving in us and through us, in and out, in and out. And it's a beautiful rhythm of grace. And that just gave me goosebumps thinking about how God chooses to always move. He doesn't move us to just stay in, does he? We don't just get to stay in and take in and take and take more and take more. There are seasons of that. But it's always so that we can go back out. And if we stay out too long without coming back in and to sit down and to rest beside those still waters for a minute, we're going to wear ourselves out, right? All right. Number six, the last thing that I want to talk about sound for today, and this is the one that made me teary, is imagine someone is playing a flute and a piano. A flute and a piano. Very different sounds, right? They can be playing the same exact note, 
at the same pitch or the same frequency of those waves. They can be playing at the same amplitude, the same loudness, right? But they will still have very different sounds, very different. And the reason that they sound so different, even though it's the same original note, the same amplitude, the same pitch, even though it's all the same, is because of the harmonies that are layered on top of each sound, the harmonies. And as I thought about that, I thought about us as a body, all of our voices joining in to the original, with the original sound, with the fundamental sound that God is making. It is our differences, our uniqueness, our blending in together in harmony that adds beauty and depth to the fundamental sound that God is making. That original note, that note is called the fundamental sound. God moves and the fundamental sound is created. In us and through us, he moves and that sound always draws us in and out. And as we are moved, we create our own unique sound. We join with him and with each other in harmony, furthering that fundamental sound. We get to become a part of that wave, that spirit that is moving. So what is that voice of the shepherd? What is that fundamental sound that he is saying, that he's asking us to join into? And I believe that fundamental sound is the sound of his love. It is love, for God is love. For God so loved the world, the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? For God so loved the world, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The gifts of the Spirit are disharmony. They're nothing but clanging gongs without love. So what is the voice of the shepherd calling us to? 1 John 4.11 says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, if he so loved us, then what? If he loved us, if he is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, if he is the good shepherd who calls us by name, if he came so that we might have life and we might have it abundantly, if he laid down his life for us, if he took up his life, if there is one flock and one shepherd, if he's holding us all in his hands, if that's where we are, if that's where the shepherd has us in his hands, if we know his voice, right, that's what the scriptures tell us, that we know his voice and we follow him. If we know all of these things, if they're true, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. The now what that comes after Easter, after we hear about the birth of Jesus, that's Christmas, after we hear about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, after we know about his ascension, after we hear how the Spirit comes in to all believers like the sound of a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire, if we know all of that, 
the now what is that we are equipped and filled to go out as well as even the disciples were that day. And Jesus, Jesus commands us to do something different, doesn't he? He commands us to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that knoweth is born of God, and he that loveth not. Anybody know the song? Knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, if you learned it as a little kid. And Jesus isn't talking about the feelsy kind of love. That's good. We like that kind of love, right? He's talking about the hard kind of love. The kind of love that we need him to be in us first. It's the kind of love that we're being called into by his voice. This kind of love washes the feet of our neighbor. Yep, of the ones that we love. Yep, we are supposed to do that. But it also, this love calls us to wash the nasty, crusty, maybe some moisture between the toes kind of feet of our enemies, right? Of the people who have hurt us, who have betrayed us, who have left us hanging, right? He washed all of their feet. This love waits for everyone to have a seat at the table before eating themselves. Everyone is at the table. This love waits for everyone. It serves and carries one another's burdens. It prays and offers hospitality. Here's the clincher. Without grumbling, we offer hospitality without grumbling about it. It's committed to peace. To peace even in the most difficult times. I don't know about you guys, I've got a situation with my kids. It's not peaceful, it's hard for me. But even in that situation, I am called to love. We are called to love. This kind of love, the sound that the Spirit is making, the waves that we are a part of is patient and it bears with each other. It's kind and compassionate. It forgives. It does not lie. It doesn't. It may instruct and teach and admonish. Those of us who have kids and who love our kids know that teaching and instructing and admonishing is a part of how we share love. But this love also encourages and builds up. It doesn't tear down or bite or devour. This kind of love honors the other above itself. It accepts. It has concerns. It submits. This is the sound of the voice of the shepherd. It's humble. It's not conceited or provoking, or envious. It loves in such a way. This love calls us. It moves us to be a part of a sound where we have the freedom to talk to each other, 
to confess God to each other, to agree about him together, even in the midst of our vast differences. I was talking about this this week with someone, and we were talking about how we don't agree with our husbands on everything, right? Or our spouses or our parents, those that we love the most, we don't agree with them on everything. Why do we think we're going to agree on everything? And it is, in fact, those differences, those uniquenesses that add in to the harmony that creates the sound that will draw all men unto this place, unto our God. Do you realize what a privilege it is to come together for this one hour every week and confess our good shepherd, our good God together? This love also loves in such a way that it allows us to confess our sins to one another. Ah, I had to do that this week too. I had to tell somebody I was sorry for the way I acted, for the things I said. But you know what? Because of this love, because of the sound of the Spirit carrying God's voice, because Jesus is the Word, right? Because God is moving. Because of that sound, we can agree together about where we've messed up and allowed ourselves to be burdened once again by sin, right? We allow ourselves to be burdened and anchored down. And together, we can agree that God has lifted that burden from us. And he's taken away those burdens. And without fear and without judgment, without condemnation, we can have the expectation of empathy and forgiveness from one another. And we can find that peace. It's hard. It's hard to do. It's messy. But it is what God's love what the Spirit working through us, that fruit and those gifts of the Spirit working through us, the sound that is creating is this kind of love. This love lives in harmony. It lives in harmony and in unity and the bond of peace. This is the sound of the mighty rushing wind that draws all men and women to it, right? He's calling us by our name. He knows your name. And he's calling you by it to be a part of this love. He's calling you into himself and into his family, into harmony with himself and with each other. And he's calling us to follow him out, out into the world and out into our cities and our neighborhoods. He's calling us out to Longwood and Indiana and Ohio, right? He's calling us out into the world. Let us never forget the original source. It's God that is moving. He's the original source of this sound. He is the fundamental sound. And that sound is his love. The voice of our shepherd is calling. And it's up to us. We get to hear it. We get to let it filter through our psychology. We get to question it. We get to talk to each other about it. And we get to see where he is leading all of us into the greener pastures, into the still waters, into the tables with those who maybe are our enemies or they're our friends. They're just people, right? We get to sit at the table with people. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for being our good shepherd. 
thank you for loving us the way you do. The way Lauren talked about at the beginning of service, Lord. Thank you for loving us without restraint. Thank you for letting us know that we're enough. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, and it sounds, ah, we could let it sound really easy that we just go, oh, yeah, we need to love each other. But God, it is hard. It's hard. We need you to lead us and to guide us. We need you to show us the way. You are the way. You are a mighty God. And you're so smart that you would take a little thing like sound and use that as a descriptor of how your spirit came and how it can mean so much to us. God, we pray that as we walk out of here, Lord, that we remember what a privilege it is to meet together and talk about you and think about you. Lord, and we pray that we would have open ears to hear what you're saying to us. That psychology that it all has to process through, God, we pray that you are Lord of even that. Soften our hearts where they need to be softened. Help us to be taught by others. Help us to encourage others. For we really do want to know the sound of your voice. And we want to follow it. And we want to follow you. Thank you for your spirit that guides us. Thank you for being our good, good shepherd. And thank you for letting us hear your voice. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.